Psalm chapter 4. Psalm chapter 4, I'll be reading all of the eight verses. And the word of the Lord reads this. Answer me when I call. O God of my righteousness, you have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? Know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say who will show us some good. Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have with their grain and wine abound. In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. So continuing on with the theme of last week, it is this reoccurring theme of peace. The divine peace that we see uh, riddled throughout the Psalms. And chapter 4 follows the same template and model of chapter 3. You will notice that both of them are eight verses and both of them carry with this the, the theme, the underlying theme of peace. It is peace. And we see in the, 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 the verses that we have read in chapter 4, they are, uh, they are themes of crisis and then how to overcome crisis by turning to the Lord. Verse 1, oh, might I add that chapter 4 of Psalm is actually a psalm to be sung at night. This is a nightly psalm. So this was traditionally held that you sing, you sing this psalm before you go to sleep. And it is modeled as such. It, and of course we see that uh, at the ending of this psalm. Verse 8. But going back to verse 1. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. So once again, David, in the midst of some crisis or turmoil that we are unaware of, could be the same crisis that was facing David in chapter 3, when his son Absalom was chasing him trying to kill him, to overthrow uh, David's uh, crown and for him to be the next ruler of Israel. But we do not know. We really don't know the date or the, the, the timing of this particular song when he is in crisis. But David cries out to this God. He says, O God of my righteousness, answer me when I call. You know, so many people, 
they have the, their deepest prayers, the most earnest prayers. I mean, prayers with tears flowing down their face when they are in moments of crisis. And when you are faced in moments of, of crisis in your life, absolutely, that is the best place to go at the feet of Christ and giving up your, your, your burdens unto the Lord. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. But if those are the only times that you are coming before the Lord, there is a problem there. When he says, answer me when I call, there's a level of intimacy there because he, David does not come before the Lord only in times of crisis, only when he needs help. But he comes before the Lord in every season of his life. And this is why David can say in confidence, answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You are a God who knows me intimately because I spend time with you day in and day out. You are not just some stranger, some being in the sky that I come to every time I need help. And sadly, it just seems that far too many believers have this type of relationship with God. When everything is okay, They turn to everything else and everyone else but God. They do not open the Bible. They do not fall on their knees before their Creator. They, they do everything that the world participates in. But not so with David. Not so with David. So we see a level of intimacy here with, with God. And he has assurance that his God will answer him because he knows God will hear him. Because he has heard David's voice on a daily basis. You have given me relief when I was in distress. And he's remembering all the times that the Lord has, has pulled him out of all the, the momentary crisis of his life. Have you walked with the Lord enough to, to say what David just said? Say, God, you have been so good to me. And where I am now, I know that there is no greater remedy than you. There is no greater remedy. In moments when my life is going to fall apart, you were my rock. And because of this, I know that I can trust you now. But notice how verse 1 ends. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. Notice something about David. He understood by looking back in his past how faithful God has been to him. Say, like, God, you have been so faithful to me. That does not stop him from earnestly seeking God in this current crisis. 
David will never ever be man absent of prayer. And why is that? Because until we reach glory, until we die, we will always, always be needing God. We'll always be needing the filling of the Lord in our lives. You know, a lot of us have been on diet, diet plan. It is the most painful thing ever for those of us who love food. I think we all love food and diet is like living hell. Now, wouldn't it be great if you just had a one-week diet that had like a life-lasting effect where you didn't have to die ever again? That would be great. But the fact of the matter is, you stop your diet, you're going to go back to how you were before. Right? That's just the sad truth of life. You have one season of being fit, like, oh man, like, not only did I diet, but I, I worked out. What happens when you stop? You're going to lose all that hard work. Prayer, you don't brag about because you, you had this one great season of being close with the Lord. It is a continual and it is a lifelong journey. And I'm not just talking about, oh God, thank you for the food. I'm talking about earnest prayer. Prayer on where you have no other choice but to fall on your knees. And the burden on your shoulder is too heavy for you to bear. And you lay it at the feet of, of God. Those prayers. That is a lifelong practice. And I pray that we will be able to go before the Lord in good seasons and in bad. And then he turns his attention on his enemies. He says, O men, or uh, some have translated, O men of rank, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? So how long will you guys, my enemies, be, be coming after me? Chasing after me? And how long will, will the men of, and the people of this world be lovers of pretty much lies, of delusion. If you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, you will fall into the deception of the enemy. You will. Because Satan is the father of lies. And if you are not with Christ, there is no in-between. Christ said to himself, you are either for me or against me. You are either living in the truth 
or you are living in a lie. And so it seems that David is actually pleading with his enemies. Pleading with them. It's like, how long will you be chasing after the deceptions of this world? And he knows that his enemies that are coming after him, attacking him, they're only doing what they were created to do. They're following their flesh. But then verse 3 reminds us that there is this great protection over those who are the Lord's. And know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. This is the most marvelous truth of our faith. The Lord has set apart The Lord watches over. The Lord sustains those to himself who are godly. That is the key word here. Not everyone who claims to be a Christian are Christian, in fact. Do you guys know? You can buy a gym membership right now. They're pretty cheap, actually. I get a lot of emails from LA Fitness, 24-hour, hey, come back, we'd love to have you back, here's a special deal. I can have a membership, I can show you guys my membership if I buy it. But what's the what is the use of me having if I never go? And so how can people call themselves Christian followers of Christ when their lives and their heart show otherwise. That they're following after the things of this world. Guys, holiness is not a bad word. Contemporary Christianity kind of labeled that as taboo. Hey, that's kind of legalistic. Right? God desires us to live a holy life. To be set apart from the rest of the world. So that we may not just look like Christ, but act like Christ. The Lord hears when I call to him. The Lord heal, hears him because of the fact that he has been set apart due to his godliness. You guys know, not to scare you guys, but there are times when God will not hear you yeah, you can cry out all you want. But God will not hear you if there are certain things in your life that are hindering your prayers unto Him. If you are sinning, 
you're in, in, stuck in a cycle of deliberate sin, the Lord will not hear you. That's what God said of the Israelites. You cry out to me, I will not hear you, for your hands are filled with blood. Can we make sure that we are right with the Lord? That we are walking with Christ our Lord. Honoring Him. So that He may honor our prayers and hear us. Be angry and do not sin. Very difficult passage here because it's, like, it's so awkward. It's such an awkward phrase. Be angry and do not sin. This passage right here, uh, be angry, can also be rendered tremble. Tremble in fear. A better way to, to translate that. So from the Hebrew, be, not be angry, but tremble with fear and do not sin. Ponder in your hearts on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. Who is he talking to here? So again, he's continuing his pleading with the, the unregenerate group. The men who are seeking to either take his life or to demoralize him with false accusations, whatever it may be. It's like, guys, fear the Lord. Do not sin. And he's pleading with them. Ponder in your own hearts on your bed and be silent. What he's saying here is, guys, stop for me. And as God would say, let us reason together. The path that you are walking in is the path that leads to destruction. A life that is not lived for God and with God is a life that is headed towards destruction. And this is our call as believers in Jesus Christ. To plead with the world. Not only to showcase Christ, but to, to even cry with tears. Asking that they come to Jesus Christ, who is the source of hope in life. Put your trust in the Lord. This is our call given to us by Jesus Christ. This is the Great Commission. And so we see David in the midst of this turmoil is able to look beyond his own, his own problems, his own crisis, and to look 
at the stake in the heart of the unregenerate. But those of us who are in Christ, we should have our eyes on others, love for others, a special, unique love for the fellow brothers and sisters in the church, for those who are outside, the lost brothers and sisters. How many of us pray for them? How many of us actually lose sleep over the fact that you have a family member, you have a co-worker, you have friends, that if they were to die, that they would not be in the same place that you would be. May we have that heart of God who is a chaser and a seeker of the lost. Jesus Christ modeled that perfectly. I came to seek and save the lost. And all we have to do is to just look beyond ourselves. So David, even in the midst of his crisis, was able to articulate that, that thought that, hey, there are others out there who really need God. Now verse 6, there are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. Now who, who, who is the many here? And this is why chapter 4 is quite confusing, because he talks to different people. There's different audiences in this chapter. He talks to God, he talks to the men who are chasing him, but then we also see here, that he is talking to his companions. And if it is the, the escape from his son Absalom, he, of course, he had with him uh, faithful men who were there to protect him and guard him and fight with him. So if the many are his companions, they are saying, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. So we know right off the bat, these are not the men who do not know God, who have no relationship with God, or else they wouldn't be saying what they're saying here. They would not be crying out to God in this manner. So his companions who are traveling with him in the middle of his distress, they're wondering, where is God? And this is to now shed light on the nature of our storms in life. How wonderful it would be if all our problems went away at a snap of a finger. That would be wonderful. Like a microwave prayer. You just pray and then instantly 
your prayer is answered and no problem. Yes, there are some problems in your life that will go away like this, but there will be others that will be there to stay. They will be sticking with you for a considerable period of time. Maybe someone who's been wrestling with depression for many years. It does not leave them. 10, 20 years. Or a constant visit to the hospital and surgery after surgery after surgery. Battling an illness for 10 to 20 years. Wondering if they'll ever experience a life outside of the hospital. We may know of or know directly people like this. And so it is fair to ask that question. Say, God, where are you? If you are there, Lord, show yourself. This is exactly the heart of the prayer. And so David is, is hearing his companions just crying out to God, like, Lord, we can't take it anymore. Where are you? I don't know about you, but there have been moments in my life where I have asked that question. Like, God, enough is enough. You have beaten me enough. I have hit rock bottom. There is no more to go down. As I mentioned before, this is sometimes the exact place where the Lord wants you to be. Where you have no hope. So it's the only hope that you will have will be outside of yourself. So that you will know when you overcome that, you're like, man, it was not of me. There was nothing in me to overcome. That was a God moment. That, that, that's what God wants you to say when you overcome a crisis. So when you, when you find yourself crying out, Lord, enough is enough. I've had it. I'm going to die if I just have one more second of this. Know that the Lord is with you. And at the perfect time, at His perfect time, He will vindicate you. He will rescue you. If you are His, that is a promise for you. Psalm 55, 22, cast your cares upon the Lord. He will sustain you. He will never let the righteous. He will not permit the righteous to fall. If you are His and you seek Him day and night and you walk with Christ, He will sustain you. And though at times you feel that you cannot go on, that's from your standpoint. Okay? You do not know from God's standpoint. 
I'll say this, and if we have this word, have faith and persist. Maybe this is what God wants us to learn in moments of crisis. It's like, just don't give up on your prayer. I mentioned that last week, right? We give up way too easy. I've known, I've heard stories of parents. In particular, it's the mothers. I never heard of fathers who pray for this long. But it's usually the mothers who pray for their unbelieving child. And when they come up to give their testimonies, and my mom prayed for me for 10 years, for 20 years. That's a long time to be praying. How long have you been persistent in praying? You know, Luke chapter 18, verses 1 to 8. Let me read for you guys what Jesus said on this very idea of being persistent in prayer. He told them a parable to the fact that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. He said in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down with her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Principle of persistence. Keep at it. Some of you guys are going through something that may be just, just unbearable. I don't know what it is, but rest assured the Lord does. He knows your pain. He knows your struggles. He's reminding you, pray, continue to seek me. Continue to seek my face. Do not lose heart. When the time is right, I will come and deliver you. You have put more joy in my heart than they have with their grain and their wine abound. That you have put is written in the perfect tense, meaning that this was something that was done in the past, but done in the past continually. He's looking back, not only seeing God's faithfulness, but also seeing, Lord, you have been the source of my joy. More than what? Than their grain and their wine abound. He's looking at the world right now. And just seeing just how they are you know, flourishing, you know, through, through an earthly standpoint. 
They're abounding in food and in drink. Good reason to, to, to envy. Man, look at the world. Look how happy they are, those who do not know God. Living for themselves, and they, they, they're just abounding in almost every way. They may seem happy. David is saying, hey, you are the true source of joy. But keep in mind, David is the king. He has had the greatest riches in the world at this time. So the king who experienced it all is saying, hey, Lord, you are my greatest source of joy. We want to know joy. Get to know God. Get to know the Lord. Walk with Christ. And you will experience a joy that you have never felt before. And for those of us who have walked with the Lord enough, we could say amen to that. And say, wow, that is absolutely true. We concur 100%. Peace, I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, O oh Lord, make me dwell in safety. You know what uh, fear does in moments of crisis? When you are distressed, or those, those toxic emotions start to take a hold of you. It not only affects you physically, but it actually chips away at your sleep. You can't really sleep well. I'm sure you guys experience this too. You lay your head, you close your eyes, but you just cannot sleep. Your brain refuses to go into that state of Restfulness. And moments of crisis will absolutely do that for you. You know, COVID did absolutely that. Did a great job. You know, if you go to CVS right now, I, I don't know about the CVS in other places. CVS next to my house, in the pharmacy section, it's all filled with sleeping aids. It's, it, I, I, I've never seen it like that before. Like melatonin and, and, and sleeping aids for children. It's all over. Wow, and, and, and it hit me. I'm like, people really have a hard time sleeping. And I have to confess, yeah, there was a period when I lost sleep too. And it was the time when I temporarily took my eyes from the Lord. This is what the world wants. They want to lie down and to sleep. 
to have the, this peace. Where can this peace be found? Intimate relationship with the Lord. As David recognizes, I am not safe anywhere else than in, in your presence. You are not only my hope of vindication, my source of joy, but you keep me safe. Since you have an almighty Savior who loves you tremendously. He demonstrated that by giving his son Jesus Christ for you. Watching over you always sustaining you and he wants to pour out into you an immeasurable amount of joy and peace he wants you to to dwell in his rest he wants to give you all of that and he has an endless supply of it and he wants to give it to you to the point where it is overflowing out of you. Do you guys not understand this? And it's yours in Christ's name. It is His good and loving desire to give that to you. It is yours. All we have to do is take it. Start an intimate relationship with Christ. How will we have this, this peace that will allow us to lie down and, and to sleep and understand that He is our only safety net? Spend time with Him. The more you spend time with Him, the more of His nature that is revealed to you, more of His heart that is revealed to you. And then the more and more you begin to understand just how able He is and how much He loves you. So, pray. Read the word. Walk with him in this way. That in times of distress, that will shatter any other human being. You will stand firm. And not because of the strength that is found in you, within you, but the strength that comes from you.